everyone. Welcome to episode 12 of Adventures in Autism. I am Megan Carranza and I just want to say thank you so much for coming back to listen or if it is your first episode, welcome. (laughs) I am so thankful to have all of you here. Um, Today I have a wonderful episode. I have an awesome guest named Nicole Struess coming on. She is a fellow autism mom and she also founded an amazing non-for-profit called The Soothing Stitches Project and they make weighted blankets for for children and and people um, on the spectrum and her and I talk all about that and her journey with her son Uh, and she was just so much fun to talk to and really had amazing things to say and we we just had a great time so without further ado I hope you enjoy listening to my episode with Nicole. Hello, Nicole. Welcome to Hi. Person Autism. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. We finally got it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Nicole and I had a, a little technical issues, but that's okay. We're all here now. Uh, well, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. No problem. I'm glad I'm honored to, to be here. Aw, thank you. Uh, so, Nicole... We, I actually connected with Nicole just on social media. Um, Tamika, who is from the Autism Hero Project, uh, she had posted a link with a video, uh, a YouTube video, and I didn't even really know what it was, but I clicked on it, and it was Nicole. <laughs> Think about her, uh, just her journey with uh, her son personally with autism and this amazing non-for-profit that she started called Soothing Stitches. So we're going to just get into all that. So Nicole, take us back kind of to the beginning, really, because uh, you even said for you guys, it, it started even before your son was born. It was really like during pregnancy that things kind of were were starting for you guys. So yeah, let's, let's talk about all that. Right. It was um, the, and I believe it was the anatomy scan when you go at like 18 to 20 weeks and they tell you, you know, it's a boy, go home, buy everything blue. Um, <laughs> and then a few hours later, um, my husband had returned back to work and I got a phone call from the genetic counselor from the doctor's office. And they said that there were some abnormalities found in uh, my son's brain and they needed to do um, further testing like within, uh, I believe we were there um, within like 48 hours. So we went in and um, ultimately he was, while he was uh, 20 weeks gestation, he was diagnosed with fetal ventricular megaly, which is a fancy way of saying enlarged brain ventricles. Um, we were told that it could lead to uh, hydrocephalus, you know, on the severe end, which is uh, water on the brain. Um, and again, very, it was very, um, they were very nonspecific. They said, you know, it might, if it slows down or if it stops, um, it could possibly not have any damage or on the total other end of the spectrum, it could be, you know, maybe he won't walk, maybe he won't talk, you know, um, there's no way to tell. We we have to see how the rest of the pregnancy goes. Um, So as we went on, it actually, um, I was going for ultrasounds every I think I had 26 ultrasounds in my last 20 weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. So sometimes it was twice a week. 
Um, and we went for the scans or the ultrasound scans and they were coming back as, um, it, I believe they increased a little bit more and then they stopped. Um, so around 30 weeks, they said that it had slowed down a little bit. Um, so we're inclined to think a little more on the positive side and everything, but still, you know, we were told, um, I wanted to have my, um, tubes tied and I had a, a doctor who would not do it. Um, she said, we can't guarantee the condition of your child or, you know, um, medically, like if he's going to be okay, um, if he's even going to survive the birth at this point. So we're not tying anything. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was really, uh, it was very emotional. It was, uh, you know, obviously one of the, the hardest thing I had ever dealt with in my lifetime. Um, so he came out, um, nine pounds, 14 ounces, screaming like a banshee. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing that kind of shocked me was it, the first thing was he cried. So as soon as I heard him cry, it was like instant relief. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the first thing they did was take him for a scan. And all I was ever told after that, you know, to this day was um, his brain ventricles are measuring within normal limits. He's fine. Take him home, you know, go raise a boy. So it was like a big buildup. And then, there was no support whatsoever once you <laughs> once he was birthed and he was fine um they said we might see developmental delays um you know school stuff like that like if anything you might see it uh, on the less severe side as it comes out like as he gets older um so sure enough around um age two he he walked and talked a little bit late but it was still again within like the later part of the normal mm-hmm. around two years. Um, so there wasn't really any huge red flags. I think the first one came when he was about uh, two and he would scream and put his hands over his ears at any um, unexpected sound. So, mm-hmm. I mean, like, it could be the garage door opening or, you know, um, thunder, uh, anything like a toilet flushing, a hairdryer, anything that he didn't see coming. Um, that was our first clue. And we and did you think at that time, like, this might be autism? Or were you just like, that's interesting that he's doing that? I We just thought like, you know, wow, it's we've never seen anything like that with our daughter. I have a daughter who's uh, yeah. three years older than him. And it was just like very hypersensitive to sound and cloud. It, the funny thing is cloud. Clouds make no noise. But <laughs> for some reason, <laughs> he would go outside and see clouds and he would cry. He would hide his head, you know, cover his ears and just hide in my lap until he could figure, you know, until he could think it through and realize, okay, it's just a dark sky. Nothing bad is going to happen. It was just very um, dramatic as opposed to, like I said, the only experience we had was my daughter who was, Mm -hmm. you know, she is very laid back and not much bothers her. Okay. So we um, had put him on a couple waiting lists for some developmental, um, you know, like the pre, pre, preschool kind of type stuff um, through the county. And we moved a lot. So every time we would get on a waiting list, we would end up moving. Um, You are in California. I want to specify that because. Right. Yeah. So I'm sure things are different there. Definitely. Yeah. So when we, when this first came about, we were actually in New York. So he was born in Southern California. We moved um, back to my hometown of Syracuse, New York. 
and then came back five years later. So when all of this, he, he was born, when we got to Syracuse, we started with the waiting list. Mm -hmm. And then when, by the time we got back, um, they had just referred him in school. He was started in kindergarten. Let's see. Let me go back a little bit. So preschool around four years old, he went in, um, you know, we didn't at that time have any other than the sounds and like some emotional, you know, like being a little over emotional, mm-hmm. um, there wasn't really too much to report to the teacher. So we just, you know, let him in. And then, um, I believe it was within the first 10 days, they, um, j- just started saying like, he's wandering around the room. We have him sitting right in front of the board. He does, doesn't pay attention. He's disruptive. Um, as far as like, he wants to go and play on his own. He doesn't want to interact with the other kids. Um, there was times throughout that year of preschool where they had to remove him from the classroom while they did like had special guests and speakers and stuff. Um, and and, like I said, it's not like bad behavior, like misbehaving. He just wasn't going with the flow. Right. So he was off doing his own thing. Um, and then sure enough in kindergarten, the same thing within two days, they had us, you know, right. And I didn't say anything to the kindergarten teacher because I wanted someone to see it independently mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to give her a heads up and sure enough within two days we were in the kindergarten room same thing with first grade the funny thing is in new york in the school once you're in the school system they they don't test until first grade because they said uh, kindergarten was too early i even heard that here too like they th- there's a lot of people that they do test earlier but like uh-huh. all the teachers and therapists and like his pediatrician like the professionals that I were talking to everyone was saying wait until not first grade but kindergarten which I mean right. just started kindergarten so they all kept saying like you know he could end up getting he could be misdiagnosed like they're still they're still learning and growing and so that was our plan for a while was to wait until kindergarten but then it just started to become like more and more obvious to us that there was you know, an issue. And I'm like, okay, we need to just figure this out. Cause it was just like over our heads. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that's where they are at. They're like, you know, we can't do anything until first grade. So first grade came around and sure enough, they did, you know, what they said, they started off with an initial occupational um, therapy review. And it was a very informal, it was like a one page report. It wasn't the full developmental workup, you know, the academic and um, psychological and all that extra testing when you have a full IEP it was just the OT because he wasn't sitting still he wasn't attending you know to anything that was going on in the room except for his movement he was very into he had to be moving he couldn't just sit Mm -hmm. and listen it wasn't so um they gave him a I don't even know what they call it anymore like a bouncy seat um or a a disc oh yes okay disc something like that there's all different Um, support i'll just explain this for people who maybe aren't as familiar like logan when he was in preschool they had him sit in like a little kid's rocking chair so like you know the other kids would be in their their little seats for circle time or even sit on the floor and he would sit in the rocking chair just to give him that input or like how you're saying like this is like a little like rubber disc that they can sit on and it almost has like a bumpy texture to it so they can move around yes. and it, again it just gives them that input I've even seen where they put like those like kind of like exercise bands like around the chair so yeah we yeah, did that so the yeah. child's able to like kind of 
you know, kick and stretch on that. Because again, you know, for 95 or more percent of the kids that are coming into kindergarten, first grade, they're going to be able to sit and attend for at least a short period of time. But, you know, when you throw in autism or even just like sensory issues into it, that's asking a lot of a little kid to sit. It is. It is. I mean, honestly, it's asking a lot of any little kid, but yeah, just so for anyone who's not familiar, there's all different kinds of supports that, that are, are used in schools just to kind of help them through that sort of thing. We, we even did the, the band, the exercise band around our dining room, uh, um, his dining room chair, because we did the disc, like, I think it's called a mm-hmm. balance disc. So we did the disc for him to sit on. We did the band around the legs because I couldn't even get him to sit down. Oh, we have eat. the same problem. He was- <laughs> literally run by the table and grab mm-hmm. something did it help has that helped like, you at home um it, it okay. used to but he he outgrew it quickly as soon as he he's very smart and as soon as he catches on to this is mm-hmm. to help you he's done with it he's he's over it. <laughs> the blanket <laughs> yeah the blanket the weighted blanket was like the one thing that he didn't um even question until probably just recently <laughs> So after that um, occupational therapy review, um, he was, we ended up moving, um, my husband got a, a job back here in Southern California, and this is where mm-hmm. he's from. So uh, our intention w- was um, to get back here, to get something, um, you know, with good benefits that he could, we had a feeling that this was kind of going towards autism or some type of auditory or sensory processing. Mm-hmm. Um so that was first and foremost was he got, he, he has really good benefits. So we got in, we got him tested. Um, the hard part is the waiting, like the, the waiting lists here are insane. So we waited, I want to say we were put on a waiting list for the local autism center. And that was a oh, year. Wow. That is- um, in the meantime, we actually got into, I don't know how it happened so quickly, but Within three months, we were able to go to Children's Hospital in Los Angeles and go through their testing. Um, and originally, it came back as he had uh, ADHD. Uh, actually, has severe ADHD, uh, general anxiety disorder, and sensory processing. Oh, okay. So we're like, okay, well, great. It's not autism. We can just, you know, do this, this, and that. Um, we got him started with a private occupational therapist, um, you know, outside of school. Um, and then we were still on that one waiting list. And I wanted to just go ahead and see, you know, just for the heck of it, if we could get a consensus. It would be, it would have been really nice if they both said the same yeah, thing. Yeah, you were already on the waiting um, list too. Mm-hmm. Right. But it was another, I want to say, six to nine months before mm-hmm. we got in and his symptoms had progressed. So by the time he went in for that, for the local center for autism, um, they came back and said it was autism, okay. you know, across the board. And were you surprised so, that? You heard it? Um, I wasn't surprised. I don't know why we, we both had such a bad reaction to it. Well, it's hard. For something that we had, I know, for something we had seen coming for so long, I think. It, like I said, it would have been nice if the guy just said, yeah, you know what, it, it is a, a pretty severe case of ADHD, but this is what we can do. Instead, I mean, halfway through, I could tell, I could just tell by the way the doctor was talking. At this point, we had studied up on it, read a lot, um, and I could just see which way it was going. So it was really, really yeah. hard. Um, 
and afterwards it's like, uh, you know, my husband has a very demanding schedule and he's at work a lot and it kind of fell on, uh, you know, between him, myself and my daughter, it kind of fell on us to hold it mm-hmm. together and we didn't do a very good job. I, I mean, honestly, like, <laughs> I don't know anyone that does, especially early, <laughs> right. early in that diagnosis. I mean, I, like, I, I cried the entire day when, after I got yes, like, yeah. legitimately the entire day. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it was a good, I think I had like a good week of just, you know, I didn't, it was almost like a, like you're a morning. The you really are. Kind of, yeah. yeah, I don't, it's such an odd feeling. Um, but sure enough, um, that now that occupational therapist that we worked with, um, she's not there anymore and, and we don't go anymore, but it's funny because I still have a relationship with her. Um, you know, we still chit chat and, um, and check in and she's actually um kind of a big reason why I started the Soothing Stitches project. Um I, I think it was after he got diagnosed, um I tried to go back to work for a little bit. I haven't worked um since my daughter was born and she's 14. So I ended up going back to work as an instructional aide in the same school district, just a different school. Um, and I thought, you know, it'll help me get my mind off of things. I can make a little bit of extra money. And in the meantime, I can definitely get, get to know, you know, what the best placement for Ryland would be. Um, because I'm, I'm kind of on both sides of it. I'm in the school and I'm, yeah, that's kind of nice. So they didn't like that. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, we see what you're doing here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So as soon as I started, I think I lasted about six months, um, And it was a combination of they didn't like, uh, I guess, being on display for me to come in and, you know, do my job, but at the same time, gather information and keep it in the back of my head. They didn't like that. Um, And then at the same time, we were having my mother-in-law pick up the kids from school and just transport them back home. And she was maybe with them, I think it was about a half an hour, but she was having problems getting him, I mean, just between the school um, gate, getting them from the gate to the car without a tantrum or a meltdown or, uh, you know, running away or eloping, Mm -hmm. I guess they started calling it at the time. So she was having a hard time managing him. I had to start leaving work early. So the the combination of the two just got me my job taken away. (laughs) Was he, um, was he upset because he wanted you to pick him up? Like, is that, um, because that's how my know. son is. Th- he is like he's he's totally good with like family and friends, but like if he mm-hmm. is in a situation where like he thinks that my husband and I have to leave, or yeah, like somebody would have to like pick him up or something, that's when he will totally have a meltdown. And he doesn't really have like meltdowns aren't something we deal with very often, thankfully. But that mm-hmm. will like if we're if we're all just like home hanging out and he's just like in his happy place, like chilling with us, and then like somebody comes over, it could be like you know, the like electrician coming over to do thing. He thinks right. that that guy is coming to babysit and that we are leaving and he just, he freaks out. Oh. He loses <laughs> so when you said that, I'm like, oh my gosh, because there was, when Logan first started preschool, um, now he takes the bus, but there was like one day a week where my mom was picking him up from school because I was still doing uh-huh. drop off at that point. And it was like, kind of like how you're saying, like increasingly harder and harder to get him, you know, just to 
get in the car with her and she's like I feel so right. terrible like he doesn't want to come with me but it's like he was just yeah. used to you know the other days I would come get him and then it was this one day a week she would come pick him up and it was just like becoming so it was really hard I never really thought of, about that but now that I think back to that time period any change in the routine whatsoever yeah. was upsetting to him so if I even on the days when I could pick him up uh, before she was helping me um, I would pick him up and say I had to stop at the grocery store. It would ignite like a huge mm-hmm. meltdown and you know, he would, he wouldn't get out of the car. It would take 10 minutes to get him out of the car. Another 10 minutes to, you know, get him back in the car once we're leaving the store because he was afraid that we were going to stop mm-hmm. somewhere else. So I could see, I, I could d- definitely make that connection. It, it's possible that it, that's, that could have been it. Um, it. And neither one of them had any exposure to daycare whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Or it was always yeah. me. So I was just home and, you know, going back to work did not work <laughs> for us, unfortunately. Yeah. So what happened was, um, so around that time, he did, you know, we went through, uh, when we got to this school out here in Orange County, he, um, they did the, the full de- developmental, um, uh, what is it, student assessment student success team that they assembled and then they do the Mm -hmm. IEP and all the, the formal testing. Um, they did that. Um, and their diagnosis, it's very ironic how it happened. Their academic diagnosis of autism, like behaviors came before the medical diagnosis. Oh, so as we're on the waiting list, we had the IEP, they did, you know, all their testing. And then they're saying, well, they're autism like symptoms. So they said, we can't diagnose them, but we can tell you from an educational standpoint, they're autistic like, and I said, okay, you know, they, they gave him the speech, the OT, he had RSP pullouts and, and I mean, they kind of like just laid it all out. There was quite a few services right from the get go. Mm -hmm. Um, And unfortunately it, even with all of that support, it wasn't enough. And we ended up, uh, in the meantime, we ended up, um, you know, having to, to get legal help and try to navigate through the system because we we're finding that the, the standard, which was, you know, the speech, the OT, the RSP, you know, all this extra was kind of standard for everybody with this type of diagnosis. And it just, it wasn't enough. And we learned, we're still learning, but we learned very quickly that above and beyond that, that's about where the school district is comfortable. Mm -hmm. Above and beyond that, you have to rock the boat to get anybody to, 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 uh, you know, give you the time of day. There was, you know, we run into things like, I said, well, are there any programs for, you know, kids with high functioning autism? Obviously he's walking and talking. He's very, very verbal. Okay, that's great. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, are, are there any type of programs in the district? Um, it, 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 again, they don't like questions <laughs> <laughs> and they definitely don't. And I hate to say it, but at the time, the people that we dealt with now or dealt with then are not the same people that we deal with now. Uh, you know, back then it was a few years ago, it was kind of still, I don't know, I don't want to say new, but it was kind of in, in the, uh, the stages where a lot of kids were getting diagnosed. So it wasn't really taken too, um, too seriously as far as, 
above and beyond the normal support. Mm-hmm. So we're going to give you this. If you ask for anything more, you're going to be, you know, those parents that <laughs> and we were, that everybody knew. They knew who we were before they even met us. Like, I'd walk into an office and they'd be, oh, hi, Mrs. Struth. <laughs> like, why do you know Your me? Your reputation <laughs> preceded you. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you have to. And, and like I said, we quickly learned that, like, going, I've always just been very upfront and honest and, and polite. It's the way I was raised. But you have to go in there, like, charging. Guns blazing. Yeah. And <laughs> no, have, I know. You, I know. We we figured out that you, we had to learn what to, they weren't going to offer us anything. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, and that became hard because it's like, well, how do I know what I'm supposed to ask for? I don't know what mm-hmm. I'm doing. I know. <laughs> and, and then that's where the, you know, the parent being the advocate and the voice of the child and everything kind of comes up like it's not you can't play stupid anymore you have to go figure out what he needs and then come and present it to them and if they don't listen then you get the legal help and you know you make sure all your ducks are in a row and see what you can get you're so right it's definitely like there's such a learning curve to it when you first you know are navigating this like world of autism especially like in the school system because like you said they are I mean, as much as like they're there to help you, they're not really there to help you. (laughs) Right. And the teachers only have, and we even got to the point where I thought the principal was like the the end all be all of authority. But even the principal at the time, um, we went through quite a few uh, changes in that position. The principal that we started with um, ended up leaving that position as Ryland was being tested way back in first grade. And so then we, right in the middle of the whole thing, they bring in a new principal. And of course she wants to, you know, set the standard of, of how things are going to go. And we were in complete disagreement and there was no, you know, there was no two ways mm-hmm. around it. And that's how we ended up having to do, you know, everything on the legal front. Um, I say, luckily, now that I look back, luckily I lost my job because I wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have had the time to, go through that process if I was working and raising the kids and trying to, uh, you know, do the legal stuff. It, that in itself is, I was, I was consumed with that for easily a year. Tell Solid. me, cause obviously I know there's people that, that would have like advocates or like you said, like get into the legality of it, but what exactly were you guys pushing for that you needed the lawyer? Um, we wanted, he had, he had the pullout RSP service. For some that's reason, like an aid, in, correct? No, that's where you get pulled out into a small group, say for like okay. math, you know, like for a, a math lesson. And you might be, he was in a, a group with like five other kids in, in the resource room, you know, so it's a smaller mm-hmm. environment. It's quieter. It's it, he did when they did that, he was at his, we talked about it last night. He was at his very okay. best. He, he took like a leadership role in the class. He helped other kids. He really like was on top of the world. And then I didn't even realize because back in those days, I I was the parent that would sign the IEP right then and there because I thought that that's what was best for him. And I thought what they were offering was, you know, the top of the line because I didn't Mm -hmm. know any better. Um, And apparently I signed that away and I didn't even note it. 
I, I didn't even know it until about a year later when, when we got the attorneys involved and everything. And I kept saying like, he's not being pulled out. He's not being pulled out. And she finally, um, the advocate, uh, paralegal that we were working with had said on, she called me one day and she said on such and such a date, you, you signed an IEP without that little line in it. And you didn't even know it. Ugh, it was like, they just kind of like pulled the rug for you. Uh, right. Yeah. So they, they, you know, fixed it on the computer, didn't say anything. And that, again, that's when you have to know, that's how we figured out, like, you have to read line by line. And now we don't sign anything and they know it. Like they don't, <laughs> <laughs> they ask, but because they have to, but they know I'm not signing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we were looking for was um, behavior support as far as like, we were looking for an ABA um, a, a private ABA agency to come in and provide the one-on-one support. Um, they had their school, you know, the district aid service. And, and that was a whole nother, he, he ended up with a large turnover. Um, I think he went through about five. There was one girl who stayed with him the whole year. Like a para. And she mean. actually just, okay. Yeah. Yep. A para. And she actually, um, she stayed with him for all of fourth grade. Um, I want to say she was in the afternoons, but that morning it was two people. So they had a morning and an afternoon. The afternoon stayed the same. The morning was very, the, the turnover was really, really high. And that affected him. Absolutely. Badly. He had such anxiety. Um, he was to, to me in my eyes was being mistreated. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the girl, one, one of the girls who would, who was with him would do things like take his desk away and and put it in the corner and I'm like so I don't understand she put you you know she got you up and put you in the corner so you could focus or what and he said no she he was crying one day and he said she took my desk and left me in the chair with a book and told me to do my work in front of my whole class and I'm thinking what? like okay yeah why? <laughs> and he said because I wouldn't stop fidgeting in my desk I said well how about I I know a lot of times for him a lot of teachers would turn his desk Mm -hmm. around so he couldn't get in that little drawer and um he said well she I was doing I was fidgeting she turned the desk I found a way to keep fidgeting so she just took it and put it in the corner and made me do my work on my lap and I don't know that doesn't even make sense (laughs) all right and he was crying saying like I don't want to go to school. I do, the, the anxiety um, of that year of fourth grade actually got him, landed him in the ER because he was having, you know, he was nine years old and he was telling me the only way to stop how I feel is if I wasn't alive. <gasps> oh. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's so, like a dagger to my heart. One, That's so bad. Oh my right. God. So he said that one night and he was, he was very upset. He was um, like it just totally inconsolable. And this was on a weekend, but it had been building and building and building. And it just let out, you know, he was safe mm-hmm. at home and, you know, his place to vent. And, and one night it just all came oh, out. Poor guy. So we took him to the emergency room and, you know, they evaluated him and, and, you know, had said the doctor came out and said, you know, he he's under intense stress at school and he verbalized because they had to talk to him Mm -hmm. privately um you know and he's verbalizing that that he 
doesn't like going to school and he can't deal with it. And, and part of his defense mechanism was, you know, that's why he said, if I wasn't alive, I wouldn't have to deal with this. That's, but that's like what came to his head. Thank God he is verbal and he was able to say this. Exactly. I mean, we wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought that from him at nine years old. I, I would have never seen that coming. Not in a million years because he's always very, very happy. Mm-hmm. He's usually very happy. He still is. He's very busy. He's, you know, doesn't like to be tied down to anything. He's kind of like, you know, um, just kind of flies through the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he gets bored with one thing, he, he's on to the next thing. And just the, the change in behavior was so drastic. So when that, when that happened, then we knew like for sure we had to get in touch with someone legal and get the proper support in there because it was, I was in that position. There, there is literally no training. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just throw these people in there. I mean, you have, you have minimum qualifications. I think you have to graduate from high school or a GED to get one of those, you know, pair of right. positions. And if you don't know what it's like to, you know, work with a child with autism, I see that would mm-hmm. be like overwhelming and difficult, but I mean, that's, your your kid is not like the guinea pig (laughs) you know what I mean yeah Yeah, exactly yeah so um so we did that and for fifth grade he ended up um he ended up having a uh an ABA aide um that's still with him right now that follows him through the day that was all of fifth grade and just on November 1st so last week last Thursday was his very first day of actually like stepping down the service. So they took like two hours off the top of the day. Um, He tends to need more support in the afternoon, especially after Mm -hmm. lunch. So they started the, the taking the hours they took from the morning because he does pretty good in the morning. Um, But even then it's a change in the routine. And we were in the principal's office this morning because he, because that very first day on last Thursday, um, you know, he had behaviors that were completely uncharacteristic of him. One thing Um, throws it off and then everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're kind of now when he has these moments of anxiety and he still every now and again, will kind of pipe up and say, you know, I'm having those feelings again, Um, you know, and he'll just kind of come up to you and, and cry and you reassure Mm -hmm. him and kind of redirect him. And he's, now he's more redirectable at the time. Um, I, I want to say for about a year, year and a half or so, every time he would say that I would get him in the car. <laughs> Even if I remember one time we just drove to the emergency room and, and didn't go in because he had calmed down by the time we got there. Yeah. Cause you were scared. Um, exactly. Like I didn't know, you know, what was going to happen to him. And um, you know, if he really was capable of, formulating a plan mm-hmm. in his head okay. i mean if he could talk about it and he can you know he booby traps this house all oh my time. goodness <laughs> i'm sure you know just for jo- just to be a jokester i have no doubt now that we've been you know that it's been a couple of years i have no doubt that he could figure out a way scary and, and that's yeah scary oh my gosh i mean thankfully so at least from what what you're saying what i'm gathering is that he is because he is so verbal and obviously you guys have a good relationship to be able to come to you and say mom right having these feelings like that that's a blessing for sure because 
I mean, the right. fact he's able to let that out and not not keep it in, then at least you know, like you you know what's going on because he's letting you know. Right, and and we've always told him like ever since that night we've told him if there is any you know any ever ever any time that you feel that way or you know no matter if you you got in trouble for something that day or you think we're mad at you you there's nothing that you can do that would make us so mad that you can't come and tell us that you're mm-hmm. having those feelings like nothing <laughs> I don't exactly. care what it is so now he knows and now he's a, a little bit easier uh time being redirected okay. Um, but going back when he started with his, his occupational therapist, um, she is the one that, that recommended the weighted blanket because he was, he was not sleeping between, I want to say like the kindergarten mark and like second grade, he, he would not sleep. He would bounce from room to room into his sister's room and then get kicked out and then come in our room and. (laughs) We would put him back in bed and then a couple hours later it was the same routine. So she, you know, she wasn't sleeping. Obviously none of us were sleeping. Um, and so that occupational therapist uh, that I still have a friendship with, she is the one that kind of got the ball rolling on that. So she um, recommended one for him and we looked at him online. I'm like, oh, wow, these are ugly. <laughs> They're all what I mean. This is what five. Yeah, yeah there's five they're almost ago. like a trendy thing now. It's so funny. Like uh, yeah. I see like Instagram ads <laughs> pop up for like these weighted blankets. Yes. But yeah, this you actually yeah. ahead of the curve. <laughs> uh, right. So this was before they were like so popular, and they are all just kind of like solid color, and I, I don't know. They there was nothing very appealing about them, and then they were also quite expensive. Mm-hmm. So my husband's like, "You have a sewing machine in storage." I'm going to go get it out. So you sew. I I do now, but back then oh. I did it. Oh. I, I had, but I wasn't doing it, you know, as a, a anything remotely close to the amount of sewing I do now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never sewed so much oh, in my I, life. Yeah, I can't. I really can't imagine. I have no idea. <laughs> um, but, you know, I said I want to, I want him, I want him to want to use it. So I want it to be something mm-hmm. he likes so I took him to the fabric store with me he picked out um you know the design he wanted which yeah. was Star Wars at the time <laughs> yeah. um and I came home and kind of like fumbled around with a a very general pattern that I found on Pinterest and I found myself like kind of tweaking it here and tweaking it there and and um I think it took me about a week to to get his mm-hmm. done and mm-hmm. I ended up at the time like hand tying hand tying it like a quilt and it took so long (laughs) (laughs) and I remember thinking like there's got to be an easier way well my daughter at the time she's like well I want one those look cool I want one (laughs) so I went back to the store you know we got some pretty hot pink fabric for her and I still have the her original blanket and his original blanket um and I tried something different with hers, which ended up being the template that I still follow okay. now. Um, and it went, you know, I mean, now I can, you know, bang one out in like maybe four oh, hours wow. where as opposed it took me like a week. <laughs> You've perfected it. <laughs> yes. Um, so she actually has, um, they both obviously have heavier blankets now because they've gotten bigger. But um, he, I want to say... We, we started with his and 
he, he just instantly started sleeping and he only ever asked me about it. I want to say probably a couple weeks That's ago. That's crazy. And he asked me like, you know, how much longer do I have to use this? I don't think I need it anymore. I can sleep. I'm like, well, we know you can sleep because you're using the blanket, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not taking any chances. Like you have That's to incredible. It. it was just so, such a difference right away. <clears throat> Right. And I do get people that tell me, um, you know, well, is it going to work right away? Or, you know, it kind of makes them anxious um, that they're afraid it was going to make the the child anxious because they weren't going to be able to move very freely or whatever. Um, So it's kind of funny. And I, and I said the only, you know, I can only tell you my own personal experience and it was a slam dunk. (laughs) So I just, I hope that it's like that for everybody else. But what happened was I ended up, um, that was around the time I lost my job. Um, I had made the blankets for the kids and it was working really well. And I had had, uh, when I took my sewing machine out, I ended up taking all of my fabric that was in storage and everything. So I had like a ton of fabric and um, I posted on our little community Facebook page about, you know, if there was any kids in the area that had autism, that I would be willing to make them a free blanket. And we got, I think, so funny because my husband was at work and my daughter is sitting next to me. She's like, mom, no one, what is that? No one's even going to know. What are you doing? Oh my gosh. (laughs) So all of a sudden we're sitting there and I start hearing like ding, 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 ding. She's like, mom, what's, what's wrong with your computer? (laughs) Is it going to blow up? And I look and it was email. (laughs) Just. Um, Facebook messages and emails and everything. It was crazy. Everybody wanted one. Um, uh, yeah, and I think we had, I want to say, uh, that very first night, I think there was around 600 <gasps> responses. Oh, my gosh. Because somebody took the, someone um, copied and pasted it into uh, um, other, yeah. you know, forums. And it just kind of got crazy. We're like, I sign up for this. So, so I was thinking just a couple yeah. blankets. <laughs> right? So people started donating fabric. Then they started um, within a couple and within a couple days, um, the first two weeks, I want to say it was around 900 responses. And then they started coming like international, which unfortunately I couldn't support uh, financially mm-hmm. like they were saying, you know, we want a free blanket, and then you look at the shipping costs, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, that's not going to help. Sorry, like, I can, you know, if you guys are local, you can pick them up for me. There's no shipping involved, um, you know, but out of the area and, and stuff like that, it, it was it was hard to, to say, like, well, can you at least pay for the shipping? Because that's just mm-hmm. not me. Like, I would just say, I'll make it, you know, have it, and I would up until recently I had covered all the shipping thus far. Oh wow. So yeah. Um so we I'm trying to think. This was in February of 2016. By the end of March I had filed for the 501 um no no on March 24, 2016 it became incorporated. So I had the name, you know, legally and the, you know, the DBA name and everything. And then in March, I filed for the 501c3 nonprofit status. And then that was granted a couple months later. Uh, I think it was in July over the summer. So 
um, it kind of came along pretty yeah. quickly. And a lot of, and it's just a lot of the people that it started with um, are either now, you know, their kids are older or now there's another kid. So a lot of it, some of it, I should say, is is repeat. Um, but a lot of it is is not local so much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, it's kind of like it's gotten out into different. It's been two and a half years, and it's kind of got out into different parts of um, you know the country and the internet and stuff like that. So it's it's very widespread. And I and I did have another. Um, I did have another international order. Every once in a while, I'll get one. And, and, and I have no problem doing the blanket, but like I said, it's the shipping Mm -hmm. and and the problem is if you can pay for a blanket, if you can't pay for a blanket, there's no way to afford the shipping. Right. Because the blank, the blankets are all the only thing, um, they're free to people that, that can't, you know, that don't have the ability to Mm -hmm. pay, but, um, at the same time, there's a spot on the blanket request form where it says, are you requesting a free blanket? And if they are, then um, that's one thing, but if they're not, then they do pay. Mm -hmm. And, but they only pay for the cost of the materials. Like there's, I don't charge for time. I don't charge for labor um, or, or anything like that. It's just to cover the, basically when somebody pays for a blanket, it pays for the next free blanket in line. Um, and that's how it's always gone. And I think right now, right now I'm a little overwhelmed, but um, usually by this time of year, I, I'm still taking like holiday orders and stuff. And I've had to stop um, because I, I have about, um, I want to say about 20, 25 orders um, to do before the holidays. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm thinking between. You are a bit. <laughs> My daughter just. <laughs> I, very busy. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, and my daughter's telling me, "Well, we don't have Thanksgiving, and then we're off for Thanksgiving." She's all excited, and then I'm thinking, "Like, oh my God, when am I ever gonna work? <laughs> like, I'm gonna have to start working oh nights." Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, but I I have had a couple of volunteers here and there, um, and then I have my mom who who lives in Syracuse, New York, and she was she's come out a couple times and spent one time she spent two weeks one time she spent a month and she will just sit here and do the blankets with Aww. me so she called me today and i said what are you doing she's like oh i'm just i don't know like knocking around the house and i'm like you need to be so <laughs> like uh, hello i'm like i need you <laughs> come oh back <laughs> yeah. well thank you for taking the time out of your busy sewing <laughs> no, I- me. <laughs> This was oh like a, just talk on the phone. Yeah, you're like, um, okay, I need a break. <laughs> I can imagine. But when I did um, the video, that was that was taped in June, and it was actually my brother-in-law, who's a amateur uh, videographer, and he came out to our house and just really taped like a day, a typical day for me, um, and he ended up capturing like what he what he put out there on that video is just it was just amazing like it brought tears to my eyes just to see I never saw it like oh my gosh Nicole when I saw that video the way I was so inspired I mean I emailed you immediately I was like I need to talk to you it was any for anyone who hasn't seen it (laughs) go go look it up on YouTube um can you just search like soothing stitches and find it 
Um, I think so. I have the the link. The link is on our Facebook page, and it's on our website. Okay. Um, and the website is just the soothingstitchesproject.org. Okay. But it's the very first thing on the website. Because um, mm-hmm. I can't find a way to, to put it into words. He, they, they were asking me questions, and he just knew what to ask to, to get, you know, that kind of... Um, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain. I'm still at a loss for words. (laughs) It's just just like, it's so, it's so moving and inspirational. And like you said, yeah, it just, it it really, it captures the whole story. I mean, you just explained it really well too. It just kind of gave us a, a great rundown of how everything got started with it. But um, yeah, it is, it's a really beautiful, a really beautiful video. And just, yeah, I just want to say thank you. Cause I mean, I just think that you, you're doing such incredible things and you're helping so many people and, um, just what an, what an amazing mission you have. Well, thank you. I appreciate uh-huh. it. Like I said, I don't, I don't, um, I find it hard to take compliments like gracefully because I don't see myself the, the way that <laughs> that's shown in that. Video. Oh no, that's and, you girl. That's you. Take it. Yeah, Run with it. <laughs> he kept telling me, you know, my brother-in-law and my husband and everybody has been so super supportive and they all say like that, you know, that's what we yeah. see like just every day. And I'm like, but I don't know. I don't think it's any, like, I don't understand what I'm doing that everyone thinks that way. And you're then I saw the video. I'm like, oh my you're helping people. Exactly. You are, you're giving them something that they wouldn't be able to give themselves otherwise. And that is, that's incredible. It, and it took me a long time. It took me a really long time to realize yeah. that, that there's, it's not, you know, people just don't go out and start nonprofits. I'm like, well, sure they, <laughs> like there's thousands of them. And, you know, even my husband, it's just, it's not the same. Like you, you, you do this yeah. morning, noon uh, and night, you know, with no ulterior motive than simply to help somebody because, because we went yeah. through it. So, I mean, that I give myself a little bit of credit. You need but to, I, the for kids sure. are the ones, seriously. <laughs> The kids, and not even just my, but the people that I've met, I've made some wonderful friends, um, and a, a lot, a lot of it is, you know, I get pictures back of the kids using the blankets, or um, I had a lady who, you know, her kids like, um, like colored cards, handmade cards and stuff that I would get in the mail like afterwards, and honestly, for all the, t- <laughs> for all the times that I have a bad day. And I think like, oh, I can't do this or I can't, you know, how am I going to put one foot in front of the other for the next day and stuff like that? Like all those little things. Help, yeah, for sure. You know? Oh, I know. You- it just keeps it going. Yeah. You deserve that though. You but- really do. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, it, it's definitely, definitely a, uh, a group effort. Yeah. Cause like I said, I've made some really cool friends um, and a lot of them, have become I mean I have people who who um have become you know really dear friends that I've never actually met in person Mm -hmm. um and then I have a lot of it's funny grandmothers it's it's shocking the amount of grandmothers that are that are raising um some of these children with autism um for one reason or another and they've either become the grandmothers are are something special because these are the ones who either become like my closest friends, my, you know, my biggest donors, my most, you know, supportive cheerleaders are, are usually the, the older, 
the older parents or the grandparents who are raising the kids. Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, it's so interesting. But so it's really it is. Well, I just again, I want to say thank you for everything you're doing for all this the autism community, but all these children individually. I mean, you're really you're making a difference, and you need to wake up in the morning every day and say, I am making a difference. (laughs) (laughs) And tell yourself. I'm going to, you need to tape it to the door. Yeah. You need to like make affirmation cards for yourself, but, um, I do. I do. (laughs) Well, thank you again so much for coming on the podcast and chatting with me. Uh, you've just been a delight. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate all your kindness and then, uh, kind words. And I, I told you, I like binge listened your podcast. It's oh, awesome. thank totally you. Awesome thank stuff. you so much. Yeah, I've been having I've been having a really good time putting all this together. All right. So yeah, everyone, if you want to check out Soothing Stitches Project, you said it's just the Soothing Stitches Project dot org, right? Yeah. Or yes. find you on Facebook. Yes. And you guys are on Instagram too, because we're you follow us on Instagram. Um, Instagram. I, I want to say one of them is yeah instagram is the soothing stitches project and twitter is uh stitches the number four and oh okay i don't even have twitter so you're way ahead of me (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right well thank you so much nicole it was so great to talk to you you're so welcome thank you all right bye Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Nicole. I just think that she is a rock star. She is such an awesome mom, and she is just doing such amazing things. So I'm I'm so happy I was able to connect with her. Um, So I also wanted to give a little shout out. I was actually a guest on another podcast that just came out this week. That is the Access Champions podcast, and that podcast is amazing. They are really focused on accessibility and diversity and inclusion within autism, but all special needs. And uh, me and their host, uh, Philip Dahlman, and I were able to chat all about just my journey with Logan and as a family and also what, you know, inspired me to start this podcast. Uh, so that was really fun. And I shared links to that on our Facebook page, which is adventures and autism podcast on Facebook and adventures and autism pod on Instagram. So go on over there and you can also maybe give us a, a like and a follow and a share if you will. Um, but you can find links to the access champion podcast and if you want to connect with me you can find me on those platforms but also on or you can email me at adventures and autism 2018 at yahoo.com um, I love connecting with everybody I just every time I get a message from someone who's listening and liking the podcast it just makes my day so again if you have a story that you want to share if you would like to come on and share your journey I would love to have you Um, and if you just are enjoying listening to the podcast, if you would want to, you know, rate it, review it, share it, tell a friend about it, all that good stuff, I would be so grateful. Um, and that's really it. So until next time, take care. Thanks guys.